Hello, and welcome to episode four. I'm Bill DeLuise, and this is the Wiley Society Updates podcast. Over the last three episodes, we've heard about some significant trends in the world of scholarly publishing, including the challenges of shrinking library budgets, exciting new technology, growing government involvement in research communications, and the open science movement. We heard last time from Liz Ferguson, Wiley's Vice President of Publishing Development, about the trends around the world in open access and open data policies. Governments are just one of the factors making research more open, though. Nonprofits and technology startups are having a significant impact as well. In this episode, we'll hear from Liz again to tell us more about some of the non-governmental players in the open science movement, and from Ruth Bottomley, Senior Program Manager for Research Development and Support at INASP, the International Network for the Availability of Scientific Publications, which is one of the organizations working to improve access to research all over the world. Both women spoke at the Wiley Society Executive Seminar, held in London in April of 2016. First, let's hear from Liz. She'll introduce some of the new companies that are popping up to support the values of open science. If you're scratching your head about what those values are, here's a quick refresher. Open science is an umbrella term commonly used to describe five significant movements in the research community, all aimed at making research more efficient and more reproducible. Those five trends are open access, open data, making the data behind publications more accessible and useful, open standards or transparency into the tools used to analyze research data, open collaboration, think scholarly collaboration networks, and open recognition and review to reward the work of pure reviewers. Let's take that last one first. Here's Liz talking about a new way researchers can get recognition for their work. Now, one of the things I did want to mention every now and again in, in going around the world was startups that have been stimulated by both the principles of open science and that seek to work within that framework. So New Zealand gave us Publons. Some of you will have heard of it. It's an organisation that we're partnering. That came out of um, an intent to open up peer review more. Now, what they're actually doing is working with us and with others to allow reviewers to acknowledge the work that, or to identify the work that they have done in reviewing particular papers to have that verified by the publisher and then be able to create an aggregate set of the, the contribution they've made, the service they've done via review, and to be able to present that to others, whether it's their bosses, their institutions, their funders or whoever, to demonstrate the impact they're having. Now, open peer review divides opinion very strongly. Many of the other players in this kind of field sit firmly in one camp or in the other. And what Publons has done by working with publishers is recognise that there are multiple models of peer review. There can be good reasons for those models existing and that actually the reward and recognition piece is a really good place to start. So Publons is a great example of new ways researchers can get recognized for their work. Another organization that's improving recognition and reward is ORCID, which provides researchers with a consistent digital identifier, basically an author ID number, to distinguish chemist John Smith from physicist John Smith, and so on. This is a real problem, and some journals and funders are beginning to make IDs mandatory for publishing or awarding grants. On the open data front, there are companies like BigShare, which allow authors to share their data and other outputs of research before, during, or after the article submission process, and often as standalone items in their own right. Then there are organizations that are working to make research itself more accessible. Let's go back to Liz. 
Now, emerging economies, of course, and their researchers stand to benefit a great deal as all research becomes much more open. But there's also a kind of growing impetus and desire to get research from those regions onto the international stage in a way that hasn't been easily achievable. Africa Journals Online, it currently publishes or provides a background against which 500 or so journals are published from 32 countries in Africa. Uh, Approximately 80 of those are open access journals. But what's important for the remainder that aren't open access as well is that the platform is an open source one. So using open source environments has enabled African research to move online in a way that almost certainly would not have been possible or not possible at that pace were it not for that resource being made available. So this is addressing some of the major challenges for researchers in those regions, which is about making sure that African research is no longer underutilized, undervalued, undersighted, but that it is available across the globe and also to researchers within that region who wouldn't have had access previously to. The next example is Cielo, which started a little bit over 15 years ago in Brazil with a pilot of 10 journals. Cielo is now hosting 1,200 fully open access journals, which between them have published more than 500,000 articles in that period. That's led Abel Packer, who, who leads uh, Cielo, to state in 2014 that Latin America and South America proportionally uh, publish more of their work open access than any other region in the world. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Open access has been around for much longer than you might think, and it's places like Latin America and Africa that are providing a model for how it can be done. Remember the first organization that Liz mentioned, African Journals Online? It's the world's largest online collection of African-published, peer-reviewed scholarly journals, and it's one of the projects founded by INASP, the International Network for the Availability of Scientific Publications. Ruth Bottomley, who's the Senior Program Manager for Research Development and Support at INASP, spoke at the Wiley Society Executive Seminar about the organization's mission and how societies can be part of making sure research is available everywhere it's needed. Our vision is research and knowledge at the heart of development, so this drives everything that we do. And we support individuals, institutions to produce, share and use research and knowledge to transform lives. We have projects in 28 developing countries in Africa, Asia, Latin America. For more than um, 15 years, um, and this was kind of the reason really that INASP was, was started, we've been working with international publishers such as Wiley, um, who is a key and long-standing partner of ours, to enable affordable access to online journals and books to research institutes, universities and government departments in the countries where we work. Through this scheme, last year we supported 1,600 higher education institutes in 23 developing countries. And probably many of you who are a part of Wiley will be offering your society journal at affordable prices to these developing countries, which we're really, really grateful for. It makes a huge difference. We've actually estimated that more than 4 million students and researchers have benefited from this access, which is quite remarkable. 4 million people with access to world-class research that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to use is remarkable. Which is why organizations like INASP are so important, and why we're proud to work with them as a partner. So, where does that leave us? What do the likes of Publons and Cielo and African Journals Online really mean? No one can say for sure, of course, but at Wiley, here's what we believe. 
It's the values of open science, transparency, efficiency, and openness, which will shape the research communications of the future. And that's why we have a partnership with PubLabs and with Figshare, and why we encourage authors to get an ORCID ID when they submit their paper. It's why we, along with many other publishers and societies, partner within ASP to make journals available to people who wouldn't otherwise be able to benefit from scholarly research, and to make sure that their research is communicated to the world as well. The Wiley Society Updates podcast is a production of Wiley's Society Services Program. At Wiley, we're helping societies spread knowledge, advance their discipline, and expand their community by partnering with them to enhance the quality, reach, and impact of their publishing programs. Our theme music was provided by Jason Shaw and editing by Dennis Velasco. The Wiley Society Executive Seminar, where Liz and Ruth delivered their remarks, was designed with support from Rachel Smith, Rosie Hutchinson, Vicki Johnson, Ben Honor, Joe Wixon, and Davina Quarterman. The show's producer is Anna Ayler. Our editorial advisory group includes Andy Robinson, Sarah Fibbs, David Nicholson, Mark Robertson, and Nielsen Turner. You can listen to previous episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society Updates podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges.wiley.com societies. Until next time, I'm Bill DeLuise. Thanks for listening.